this morning as they make their way upstairs. I want to invite you to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 1 this morning. That will be the, the main text that we look at, though we will look at several passages of Scripture together this morning. While you're turning there, let me draw your attention to a couple of things this morning. Throughout the sanctuary, wherever you're seated, you will find in the backs of the pews these registration cards. If you are a newcomer, you're a guest with us this morning, we want to encourage you to fill this out. Drop it in the offering plate later in our service today when we receive our offering. And that would be your gift to us as a guest this morning to let us know that you're here with us in worship. You'll find ways that you can communicate with us. If you're looking for a place to plug in, a way that you can get connected in a Bible study, a group that you can connect with in community, if, if you're looking for a place to serve and use your gifts, all of that you can communicate using this card. So if you'll fill that out, drop that in the offering plate a little later when we receive the offering. Also, when you came in this morning, you received a worship guide. In this worship guide, there are lots of announcements, things that are happening in the near future in the life of our church, and a place on the back where you can follow along with our message this morning. Now, I don't normally sound like this. I don't really know what it sounds like to you, uh, but to me, it sounds pretty awful uh, in my head. You know how it is uh, that I've had throat stuff going on this week, and, uh, and, and so this morning, it, to myself, I sound kind of like Barry White, um, but not, not a cool Barry White, more like a sick and pitiful Barry White. My kids have been calling me Batman because they think that I sound like Batman. So I don't know. I said I would take Barry White's uh, money more than that. I'd take Batman's money, but uh, that's really not. I just got their voice or a pathetic version of it uh, to give you this morning. So somebody said earlier, I feel sorry for you. I said, I feel sorry for you because <laughs> you've got to listen to this this morning. But we're going to get through it together uh, in First John. We're in a sermon series that we're calling The Heartbeat of a Healthy Church. And as we study what the heartbeat of a healthy church is, really what we've done is we've looked at five different purposes of the church. This morning, we finished with the fifth purpose of the church, which is fellowship. And so I want us to dig into this text in 1 John chapter 1 and talk about fellowship, the, the heartbeat behind why we think of fellowship as one of the core purposes, one of the core reasons that we gather together as the church. It's essential to who we are and what it is that we do. And so we're going to study that together this morning. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to travel to California and see the redwood forests. Maybe, maybe you've been, even if you haven't been, undoubtedly you've seen pictures. You've seen images of these giant redwood trees that stand hundreds of feet tall and, and can be up to up to a hundred feet even in in diameter at the base of these massive, enormous trees. You would think that a tree like that, with all of its size and all of its splendor, would have an enormous root system. You would think that a tree that size would go down into the earth just as far as it rises above it. But the truth is that redwood trees, their roots only go about 10 feet deep into the soil. We think, well, then how in the world could 10 feet of roots 
support that size of a tree. Here's how it works. The roots to redwood trees don't go deeply into the soil, but they spread laterally for hundreds of feet. And redwood trees grow in large groves. And so the roots to these different trees become intertwined. They become intermingled. They, they become interlocked in a way that you couldn't undo them even if you wanted to. And that's where the strength of these mighty trees comes from. They, they lock hands. They join together and, and, and in their roots, in, in their foundation, they hold each other up. When we think about fellowship in the church, that's really what fellowship in the church is about. It's about understanding that we are, we are given to each other in the body of Christ to hold each other up, to join arms together, to lock arms, to be interwoven in such a way that we would strengthen and encourage each other. That's the biblical picture of what fellowship is about. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Now, when we think of fellowship, if you've grown up Baptist, if you've been a Baptist for any time at all, when you think fellowship, you think food, right? Because that's what Baptists do. Baptists are good. We, we have the spiritual gift of feeding each other. Food is a part of Baptist life. Anytime Baptists get together, there's a few casseroles involved, right? I mean, that's just something that Baptists, it's in our DNA. It's something that we do. But did you know that when we talk about fellowship in the biblical sense, we're talking about something that's so much more than just a, a, a potluck social. We're talking about something that's so much more than, than even just Sunday school. Although we think having groups being involved in a Sunday school class or a group where you can study the Bible, we think that's essential. And I'm going to point to that this morning. I'm even going to uh, talk about why we do that. But it's, it's so much more than just the social networking aspects. You know, for a lot of people, church was their social network before we knew what social networks were, right? Before you ever had a Facebook, before you ever had Twitter or Snapchat, the way that you got information from people, the way that you stayed up on what was happening in the lives of your people was at church. We, this was the original, you can think of it as the, maybe the original social network, right? It's what church was. And infused into the life of the church, the lifeblood of a church, is what the Bible refers to as fellowship. Fellowship is actually a biblical word. In the, in the New Testament, the word that is used for fellowship is the word, the Greek word, koinonia. Maybe you've heard that before, koinonia. Koinonia is this word that's loaded, it's rich with meaning. And when we translate the word koinonia from the Greek language into English, there are two words, two different words that are used in the New Testament. One of those is the word fellowship. So in, in passages like Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read about fellowship, how the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. But another way that that word is translated is the word partnership, partnership. And so in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 16, we, we see a derivative of this. It talks about participation, how we participate in this partnership. It says, 
they devoted themselves, excuse me, the, the cup of blessing, rather, was, is something that we, that we share, that we bless. Is it not the participation, the partnership in the blood of Christ, the bread we break? Is it not participation in the body of Christ? And so we participate together. We partner together in the body of Christ. We have fellowship together in the body of Christ through the work of Jesus. That when Jesus saved us, when he ransomed us, redeemed us from our sin, not only were we united together with Christ, but we were, we were united with his body. And now we share in a fellowship with the body of Christ. And that's the biblical word for, for what we're going to study this morning. Fellowship, koinonia, participation. It's what we share together. And so as we think about fellowship this morning, I don't want you to just think of, I don't want you to just think of a Sunday school gathering or, or uh, you know, a group of people who get together and have a potluck. That's a function of our fellowship. I mean, that's a, that's a, a product of it in many ways. That's the way that it fleshes itself out. We get together. We spend time together. We, food is involved. Laughter is involved. Crying together. Holding each other up in our difficult moments bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, pushing one another, encouraging one another. All of that is a part of what fellowship is. But it's so much more than just a social network. It is a bond. It is a, a, a cement that holds us together as the people of God. And that's what I want us to think about this morning as we study why fellowship is so important for us. So let's look at this passage in 1 John chapter 1. Bear with me, okay? I feel like, uh, I feel strong, but I feel like my voice is up and down. It's like a roller coaster. So we're just gonna be on this ride together this morning. In 1 John chapter one, we read about this fellowship that we share together. And I want you to notice the number of times that this word fellowship appears in these verses that we're gonna read together this morning. This is the koinonia. This is the glue that holds us together. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it. Proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That we have seen and heard and we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. So all of these things that he's describing lead us to share together in this fellowship. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Because of our faith in Jesus, we share together a fellowship, a bond through the work of Jesus. And first and foremost, 
the fellowship that we share is with Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who gave his life for us on the cross, who ransomed us from our sin by paying the price for us so that we could be forgiven and set free. We have a fellowship with him through the work that he did for us, but also significantly. That's a fellowship that we share with one another. I'll never forget the moment that this came alive for me in a way that really transformed my thinking. I was 21 years old and I was on a mission trip with Baptist Collegiate Ministries and we had gone to Malawi, Africa. And we were in this tiny little church in Malawi, Africa. And we were there on a Sunday and we were gonna worship with the people of this church. And they were, I mean, they were fired up to say the least. And so we went into this church and the men sat on one side and the women sat on another side. And they had, they were good Baptists. I knew they were good Baptists because they had a lot of pews in the back. And then there was a bunch of open space in the front. And you know, Baptists love to sit in the back. Why do we even have the front pews? They're pointless, right? Because whatever the last pew is, that's gonna be the one that fills up first. We're, we're Baptists, it's what we do. And I knew this was a good Baptist church, but I didn't realize really why they had all of the room. Well, I learned soon that that was the dance floor. That's really what that was. That as soon as the music started, that, that they got up and they started moving. And, and it wasn't dancing like we think of, you know, they weren't in the club or something, but I mean, there was, there was movement in their worship. There was celebration in the way that they sang and they, and they came alive. And even though I had no idea what the words they were saying were, I mean, this was a language uh, that I had never heard before. And, and certainly they were using words that I couldn't even begin to pronounce, much less try to spell or decipher all of it. But I recognized the tunes because it was the same tunes to the same songs that I had grown up with. And so even though I couldn't sing in, in their language, and even though I wasn't gonna dare try to dance and match their moves because there was no way this white boy was gonna keep up, <laughs> I could sing along with them and celebrate. And, and it just, this, this work happened in my heart that I'll never forget that day. You know, like in the, in the movie about the Grinch, when the Grinch hearts, when his heart grew at the end of that movie, I could feel my heart grow that day because something just came alive that this is what fellowship is all about. And this is what it is. That people who share next to nothing in common, our lives were completely different. The food we ate, the culture we were a part of, the language we spoke, the place we lived. I mean, everything about our lives was completely different. And yet, in that moment, we were one in the bond of Jesus. And I'll never forget that feeling that I had, thinking this must be what heaven is gonna be like someday. This must be what heaven is gonna be like. People from every tribe and tongue, every nation under God gathered together, singing his praise. I don't know if we'll sing those hymns or if we'll have a whole new heavenly song that we'll sing that day. But I look forward to that fellowship that we'll share 
But did you know that's not just something that we have to look forward to someday in heaven? That's something that we get to participate in here and now on earth through the bond, the fellowship that is ours through the work of Jesus. And that's what John is writing about. Now understand that the church, the body of people that John is writing to here are a group of people who had been through some trials. They had been through some troubles, some tribulations. They had seen some hard times. Many of these believers were a part of the church that was born in Jerusalem in all likelihood, but then later left, fled in exile and landed in the city of Ephesus. And there in the city of Ephesus, they, they intermingled with the Ephesian church that Paul had planted and established in his missionary journeys. And so John and many of his closest disciples who had come from Jerusalem became pillars of this early church that Paul established. And Paul loved the church in Ephesus. Go back to Acts and read in, in Acts chapters uh, 19, 20. Read in, read in Acts about how Paul shared the sweet last moments with the church in Ephesus. And the language that it use, uses in Acts is that they fell on his neck and kissed him as they said their last goodbyes. These were people who wept openly because they knew this was probably gonna be the last time they saw Paul this side of heaven. They loved him. He was dear to them. And now they had John, the apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved, who is one of the pillars of their church. And yet, in spite of their great leadership, in spite of the many wonderful things, this was a church that had seen some really dark days, some really hard times. And John is writing to them in his later years to encourage them, to stand strong, to stay faithful. And it is no, it is no accident that he opens this letter that is intended to encourage them, that he opens with this call for fellowship. He says to the church in Ephesus, I want you to share together in fellowship. And it's the fellowship that you share that will strengthen us, like the roots of a redwood tree that are interwoven together to provide strength. Fellowship is this bond that gives us strength as the body of Christ. So as we dig into this, I want us to consider what it is that we share together because the truth is the very same things that they shared together in the early church are the same things that we share together as the First Baptist Church of Chickasha, as the church of Christ today, visible in this world, in, in our context in America today. We share in fellowship through the work of Christ. And there are three special things that I want us to see in this text that this fellowship gives us. And so let's look at these together. The first one is this. It's our tradition that through fellowship with the body of Christ, with other believers, we share our tradition. We share tradition. Now, so much of the time, tradition is a loaded phrase. So let's break it down a little bit because sometimes this word tradition gets a bad rap. Sometimes when we think of tradition, we think old-fashioned. We think of more than just old-fashioned. We think of we think of grumpy, we think of rigid, we think of dogmatic sometimes, be honest, those are words that we associate sometimes with tradition and we, and we look down our nose at tradition, especially, especially uh, 
my generation and, and maybe those just ahead of me who, who tend to look at the things that were before us and, and we wanted to blaze a new trail. We wanted to do things our way and reinvent the wheel. And so we think of tradition almost in a, in a bad way. But tradition is not a bad thing. In fact, tradition is a part of that root system that we have. Our traditions are part of what we draw from. They are the well that give water to us, the well that nourish us, the well that, that supply life for us. Our traditions are what help nurture us and grow us deep in our faith. Our traditions are important. Look at what he says here. His opening words speak to the tradition. He says, that which was from the beginning. Now, what is he talking about? There are so many connections between John's letters and John's gospel. If you turn to John chapter one, you read in John chapter one about Jesus who was a part of creation from the beginning. John opens his gospel in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And he goes on to paint this beautiful portrait of the role of Jesus in creating all things. And then he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. When John talks about that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus here. And he's saying, Jesus Christ the one who created us, the one who created all things, the one who revealed himself to us in the Old Testament, which is what we call it. It's not what they knew it as, but in, in the scriptures, the, the Tanakh, as the Jews would have known it, that the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, the, the, God, of, the God of creation had revealed himself, most notably in the person and the work of Jesus, John says. Jesus was the truth of God come to dwell in the fullness of man. And that's really the point of John's letter is to, to write about the, the truth, the veracity, the reliability of this man, Jesus, who was God in the flesh. And he's telling us this tradition is like a rich well that feeds us. We draw strength from it. And so he says, that which was from the beginning, that which, that which forms us. And that's really what our traditions do. Our traditions form us. Now, there can be a side to our traditions if we aren't careful that we, we begin to elevate the tradition over Jesus himself, right? And that's where traditions get us in trouble. That's where traditions maybe sometimes deserve a little bit of their bad rap. It's not the traditions themselves. It's what we do with those traditions. When we make the traditions sacred instead of what the traditions point us to, our traditions are not sacred, but what they point us to is something that is sacred, something that is of immense worth, of of immense value and depth. And that's really the role of our traditions is to keep us rooted in those things. And so that's why I think it's so important, so necessary for us to celebrate who we are, celebrate where we come from. And, and I don't just mean as Southern Baptists, 
I don't just mean as Americans. I mean something going back even further, all the way back to our connection to Jesus that is a part of his body, as a part of the body of Christ, the, the, the body of believers that the New Testament speaks about, that Jesus himself calls us to be. And we share in this rich tradition of faith. And so when we think about the fellowship that unites us together, let's understand that an important part of that fellowship are our traditions. Just an example of this. In a few weeks, we will celebrate the Lent season together. Now, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you probably didn't celebrate Lent because a lot of Southern Baptists for many years didn't celebrate some of the more traditional, the more liturgical parts of the church calendar. And the reason was well-founded enough, I suppose, when Baptists first came into existence, we were a part of what was known as the Anabaptist movement. And Baptists were breaking away from some more traditional, that we would call them, that would be our word, but I, I would maybe, for the sake of understanding traditions in the, in the sense that I want us to see them, I would say maybe from some more well-established Protestant movements. In particular, Baptists were breaking away from the congregational church. And in their earliest days, Baptists were heavily persecuted by the churches that they were breaking away from. And what was it that caused this separation? Well, it was, it was what was in our name. Because as Baptists, we thought that the proper mode of baptism was baptism by immersion, being dumped, just like we saw Dustin be, be baptized this morning. And, and so Baptists in their earliest days said, you know what, we really think that the way that we should be baptized is not through sprinkling, that it should be what was known as credo-baptism. That means what we call today believer's baptism rather than paedo-baptism. It, it should be the confessional stance of a believer and that we should do it by immersion the way that we see in the New Testament. And because that was not the practice of the churches that Baptists were coming out of, they were persecuted for that. And so in some sense, Baptists threw the baby out with the bathwater. They jettisoned a lot of the traditions of the church that they were coming from because those things were tied to some difficult memories in those early days. But in time, as we have become more established and, and more, more independent, more autonomous to the point that, I mean, today we're a, we're a well-established movement, right? So the Baptists are actually the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. But in that sense, I think that because we are past those days, it would be healthy for us to look back and try to reconnect with some of the ancient roots of our faith, which is why we celebrate something like Lent, is because we're trying to connect to the traditions, the life, the rhythms of the church that it's been celebrating for years that point us to Jesus and the centrality of Jesus, that he should be at the center of everything in our lives. Now, listen, I say this. If you come in a few weeks when we have our Ash Wednesday worship service, I'm gonna tell you then that, look, don't do this if you think somehow that celebrating this is gonna make Jesus happy with you. That's not the way it works. That's where we, that's where we elevate the traditions over the, the reason behind the traditions. That's where we make the traditions sacred is we think, oh, I've gotta keep this fast or I've gotta do these things. I've gotta follow these traditions so that God will be happy with me. 
That's not why we do those things. We do those things that they might point us to Jesus, that they might show us how deeply rooted sin is in our hearts and the depth of our fall and the greatness of our need for Christ, that we need him. And in that sense, that we, that, that we connect with the, the, the traditions and that they draw us deeper, they point us back to something old and, and, and something ancient, something well-versed, we begin to swim in the deep waters of those who have gone before us. And those traditions connect us together, not only with other believers today, but really with believers through the ages. And that's at the heart of what John is writing about here. Now, understand, he's writing to a church that's relatively young. We think that in all likelihood, John was probably penning these words sometime toward the end, the latter part of the first century, sometime around the, the 90s, early 90s AD, which means the church wasn't nearly as established, the traditions not nearly so old as they are today, maybe 60 years old at their oldest. And yet there is an ancientness to their faith even then that goes all the way back to the beginning from, from the foundation of the world and the work of Jesus in creating all things. And that's, that's what John is saying here. That's the point. The fellowship that we share together is deeply rooted. It's ancient. It's old. It's, it's traditional. It goes way back. And to the degree that we understand that we are standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us and have a role to play in paving the way for future generations, then we begin to understand the weight of these traditions. And I hope that you'll see that this, a part of this fellowship, a part of this tradition is that you and I are here because of what someone else did before us and that someday, if Jesus tarries in his return, someday someone else will be here because of the work that we do now. And that's a part of this tradition that has united us together through the ages. So our traditions are a fellowship that we share together. Not only our traditions, but our testimony as well. Look at what he says which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands. He's talking about our testimony. Now, when he talks about that which we have seen, that which we have heard, he's talking about Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, you guys, remember Jesus, who we saw, who we heard, who we touched with our hands. This same Jesus this same Christ is alive in us today through our faith in him, through the bond of fellowship that we share. And that's the testimony that we share. It's the testimony. Think about what a testimony is. A testimony is, is an, an, a witness account to something, right? When you give testimony, like if you think of being in court and you testify to something, you're telling something that you know to be true, something that you saw, something that you witnessed. What we give witness to is the saving power of Jesus, which is alive in us. And not just us, but others together. Others that we share fellowship, this bond with through the church, other believers. And as we have united our lives together as the body of Christ, as the church, we share in this testimony, this story 
this rich, interwoven tapestry of what God is doing in us, and not only us, but those that we are connected with in the church. That's why the church is so important. That's why it's so necessary for us to be connected to the local church. And and I've got to stop. I have to take a moment and give a plug here. If you aren't a part of a local church, you need to be connected to a body of believers. And if you live in Chickasha, we would love for it to be First Baptist Church. We would love for this to be your church home, your church family, because you need a body and the body needs you. God has gifted you with certain spiritual gifts and those gifts are intended to be used in the body. And we as the body, there's something that's missing in us if there are parts of our body that are inactive, that aren't at work, that aren't doing what God has called them and enabled them through the Spirit to do. And so I want to encourage you. You need to be connected to a group of people, not just so you can be counted on the roll, okay? The cynical side of so many of us says, oh, sure, you want us to be a part of the church because you just want your numbers to be up. Listen, numbers are not the end game. We look at numbers We study numbers, we pay attention to those things, but the reason we do is because we believe that the mission we have matters, and numbers are a metric that help us know how we're doing with our mission, but numbers are not the end game. God never called us to just to draw a crowd or just to reach more people. He called us to be the visible body of Christ, a spirit-filled, sold-out, blood-bought group of believers who are on fire, who are on mission together. And in the sense that we share in that story, we share in that testimony, we need each other. That's why Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, that we should not forsake assembling together Let us consider how we can spur one another on or stir one another up, as it says in the ESV, to love and good works. And so don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Why do we meet together? Because we we push each other, because we encourage each other, because we make each other better. It's, it's, It's holding each other up. It's pulling each other along at times. It's the accountability, the encouragement that we share through this testimony that is ours, that we were once lost, but by the saving work of Jesus, we have been found. And so we need each other. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a chosen people, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, who've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. But then look at what he says in verse 10. The next verse, he tells us the reason for this is because we are a people. Once we were not a people, but now we're a people. Once we didn't belong, but now we belong. And why is it that we belong? Because of what Jesus did for us. That's our testimony. That's what unites us together. Your story is different from my story, is different from someone else's story. But the thread that is woven through all of our stories is that we were sinners who needed a savior. And by the grace of God, we have been found in Jesus. We who were once not a people are now a people, a family to the work of Jesus. That's our testimony. It's what unites us together. It's the fellowship we share. And then thirdly, importantly, he talks about 
what unites us together here, this third bond of fellowship that we share, is the bond of truth. It's the bond of truth. Look at what he says. He's talking about that which we've seen with our eyes, which we've heard, which we've looked upon and touched concerning this word of life. And then he says in verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Again, we see the connection between John's letters and his gospel. What was that Jesus said in John's gospel? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John here in his letter says, we have entered in through Jesus. We have fellowship with the Father through Jesus. He is the way. He is the way through which we, and so if anyone says that he walks with God in this light, while he's living in darkness, he's a liar and the truth's not in him. But if we are in the light as he is in the light, then the truth is in us. And we share in this fellowship together, right? We practice the truth is the way he says it in verse six. He infers that if we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. How do we live in this truth through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the doorway through which we enter, John tells us in John chapter 10. And through Jesus, we share together in this truth that we, that we have been ransomed, we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven through the work of Christ. And now, by his grace, we share in this fellowship, fellowship with Jesus, first and foremost, but also fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. I want you to think about these things, tradition, testimony, truth. I want you to think of these things as the, the roots that are woven together, the roots that stretch far laterally, that unite us, that hold us together, that lock our lives together. These things, these traditions, these testimonies, this truth, this is what unites. It's the fellowship that unites us together as the body of Christ. And today, if you know for sure that you are a believer in Jesus and yet you aren't connected to a church, I wanna challenge you that you would pray. Maybe God would have you join this church I hope that he would. We always wanna see our numbers increase. We always wanna reach more people because we think that that's our mission. That's tied to the very heartbeat of who we are. We're to be a people who reach people. Why? So that this work that started before us, this work that's a part of our tradition will continue on after us. And who knows, God may have something for you in that fellowship together in this body. And I pray that if, if you sense that God is leading you to be a part of our church, that today you would come in our invitation and you would say, I think, I think we're supposed to be a part of this fellowship. I think we're supposed to be a part of this body and that you would join our church. Maybe today what you recognize is that in many ways, you're on the outside looking in. You see, you understand what I'm talking about. 
You, 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 you get what it's about, the traditions, the testimony, the truth, but in some ways you feel like an outsider looking in through the, the window glass. Friend, today I wanna invite you in. I wanna invite you through the doorway, which is Jesus Christ, into this fellowship. Today, if you're ready to surrender your life to him, then I wanna encourage you that you would come and that you would trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You would confess him for the forgiveness of sins and trust him as the way of salvation. And if you wanna do that, then he will forgive you, he will cleanse you, he will give you this testimony that we share, and he will give you a mission, unite you together with a body of people that you might share in this rich fellowship. In whatever way God is leading you today, I wanna encourage you would respond in obedience to him. So in a moment, we're gonna pray, and after we pray, we're gonna have a time of invitation. And as we sing this song of invitation, we invite you just to respond in obedience today as God moves in your heart. Would you pray with me now? Lord, today, as we, as we respond in obedience to your word and your will, I pray that you would move in our midst. God, that you would, that you would remind us of the richness of what we share together, this fellowship this unity in the spirit and the bond of peace that is ours through the work of Jesus. Lord, deepen our love for Jesus and deepen our love for one another that we might bear witness to the world around us of your grace and your truth so that people would see and believe in Christ. And today, if there's anyone who feels like maybe they're on the outside looking and I pray that today you would move in their heart, that they would become a part of your family that they would give their life to you. So move now in our hearts, we pray, Jesus. We praise you for the fellowship that we share in Christ. And we wanna obey you now with our response to your word of truth. We say in your name, amen. Church, as we stand together to sing this song,